everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of March 4th, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is march4th.podbean.com. The link tree is in the podcast description. Y'all made it here, so you found me somehow, and I greatly appreciate you guys checking out the show, man. This is it. This is the last episode of 2021. What a year it has been, and I, uh, I'm just really grateful. You know, at the time you guys will hear this, we will be, it'll be the 28th, so three days past Christmas for those of you celebrating Christmas. If, if you did, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas with your family and your friends and whoever you spent time with. Uh, and for the rest of you, I just hope that you guys have a happy holiday season, whatever you're celebrating. And as we approach 2022, uh, like I said, I'm just really grateful. I'm really grateful for everybody who listens to this show. I'm thankful for every little step that I've taken with the show the relationships that I've been able to build, the uh, artists that I've been able to have on the show, the business owners that I've been able to have on the show, colleagues, and it's uh, it's it's been friends of mine. It's it's been really awesome. This show has really been an awesome creative outlet for me, and I'm just really grateful that people are checking it out, that more people are finding it, and I I just can't wait to give you guys more awesome content in 2022. Apparently that's the buzzword of today's episode is awesome, <laughs> but it is, man. I, I, I use that word a lot. I've actually tried to be conscious of not saying that's awesome, man, after after my guests say something because I noticed that I was saying it a lot. I was like, that's awesome, man. <laughs> but any Hoosers, I, uh, I'm grateful, you guys. It's been a challenging year, but it's also, I've had, a, it's it's been one of a lot of growth. I've had a lot of growth, you know, internally, and uh, I've worked through things. It's it's been a challenging, you know, last couple of months just with uh, the amount of deaths that have been in my periphery. Um, but all that said, it's it's really been a great year as far as learning about myself, you know. And I think if you can wake up every day and be a little bit better than you were the day before, and you put your best foot forward. For me, it's my left foot. <laughs> dad joke. Uh, not even a dad. Hashtag dad joke. But but if you can wake up every day and try to approve upon who you are, where you're going, what you're doing, what's important to you, who's important to you, what your purpose is, you know, and, and work towards getting the answers to those questions, then I really think then you, that you're a better person than you were the day before. And chiefly, like I say on every episode as a tribute to my grant, keep the faith and be kind to one another. Be good to people. Everybody you meet is battling something that you have no idea about. They're going through something that you have no idea about. So just be patient with people, you know, whether it's service workers when you're out to eat at a restaurant or holding the door for people, especially in the Midwest where I'm from and it's cold and windy outside and somebody's a few paces behind you, you know, hold hold the door open for them and uh, just be good to people, man. Those those little random acts of kindness will really change your life. You know, doing things for people out of the goodness of your heart, it, it'll just make you feel like a superhero. So that's that's my words of advice, not that you asked for it going into 2022, is just, you know, write down goals, write down the things that are important to you, the people who are important to you, you know, things you want to hold yourself accountable for, challenges you want to overcome, things that you want to face. Maybe you've got some fears, you know, um, and I'm laughing because I know I have I have fears, but you've got some things that you want to face, uh, you know, challenge yourself to, to face them in 2022 and to grow and become a better person. Everybody gets a clean slate. 
after the 31st, man. So, um, and, and again, you don't have to wait till the 21st or excuse me, you don't have to wait till the 31st to, to, uh, to start really making those changes. You know, you can start today, you know, every day's a new day, every day's a gift. I just saw something really inspirational the other day that, uh, we all get 84,600 seconds a day. That's how many seconds are in a day. And the analogy that was made in this clip that I saw on Instagram was if you got $84,600 a day and at every every night, you know, at midnight, it would go back to zero. And then the next day you'd get another $84,600. But every night it goes back to zero. You would do everything you could to, to spend that money because you know – once the clock strikes midnight, that's it, baby. You know, you're going back to zero. So he he was saying, you wouldn't waste that money, so why why waste time? And it was really powerful to me, those little things. I know sometimes people think they're cheesy, but they really hit home with me because I, I do worry a lot. I do ruminate a lot. I've got anxiety and OCD issues, as I've discussed on the show, that I'm working through and I have worked through. And very thankful for therapy. I'm very thankful for my friends and family who listen to me vent and rant and uh, very thankful for exercise, very thankful for music, very thankful for this creative outlet. All those things have really helped me. Um, But we all got a lot to be grateful for. So whether you're struggling, whether you've gone through a loss, whether you've gone through a breakup, whether you are, you know, just, just kind of feel like you're, you're treading water or you're, you're getting hit by wave after wave after wave, or you feel a little, um, a little lost. Just, just know that it's, uh, it's okay to not feel complete because as humans, we should always be striving to be better. And as long as you wake up and you really do your best with the time that you have, with the 84,600 seconds you get a day, that's the most you can do, man. So, you know, be kind to yourself, be kind to other people and let's all close out the year on a high note. Again, I'm so happy to be giving you guys these episodes and to see the growth that has occurred. And I, I'm just I'm just really jazzed about 2022. We've got some fun ones right out the gate that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. But before we get there, man, I, I couldn't think of a better way to close out 2021 than with this week's guest of the March 4th with Mike Bauman podcast. He is none other than a guy by the name of Bob Virgil's. For those of you who are local from where I'm from listening to this, for my fellow Toledoans, what up, Glass City 419, you will probably recognize that name, Bob Virgil's, especially if you went to Toledo Storm games growing up, because this guy was like one of the voices of my childhood, man. So quick little backstory, and I don't want to give too much away because you guys are going to hear the conversation when I shut my big yapper, but Bob was the public address announcer for the Toledo Storm games growing up, and the Toledo Storm are were rather a minor league hockey team for a long time they were affiliated with the Detroit Red Wings they were in the East Coast Hockey League and they folded their last season was the 2006-2007 season I want to say I was a yeah I was a freshman freshman in college at the University of Toledo but Bob was the voice of the Toledo Storm and he had a great sense of humor he would he would announce the team when they would come onto the ice and he would hold Storm for like a really long time. You're Toledo Storm! Like he would go forever. Uh, we talk about that, but he didn't just do the Storm though. He was with the Detroit Tigers for 15 seasons. He's done public address announcing for the Toledo Storm. He is back with the Toledo Walleye, which are the the the, the ownership group that took over the Toledo Storm and then brought the team back under essentially under a new name they 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 the storm folded and then the ownership group that took over the Toledo Mudhens 
They uh, they brought back minor league hockey in Toledo. I think it was, let's see, the 2009-2010 season. So, yeah, three years later, minor league hockey was back in Toledo under the Toledo walleye name, which still exists to this day. They play at the Huntington Center in downtown Toledo. It's a beautiful new arena. But any Hoosers, this guy's done Toledo Storm, Toledo Walleye, Detroit Tigers was the public address announcer, like I said, for 15 years. He's done Wayne State. He's done University of Michigan, University of Toledo, the Toledo Mud Hens. He even has a music radio show under the name Wally Kaiser. Uh, so, so Bob has had a very long career. He's 69 years old, and he is actually approaching his 4,000th game coming up this spring of 2022. 4,000 games, man. So he's been doing this a long time. Uh, I want to say it was 1970 from our conversation, he said, the broadcasting. He really got his start and uh, grew up in the in the Midwest, is from the uh, Southeast Michigan, you know, Northwest Ohio area. And so there's a lot of, you know, inside baseball stuff in this one as far as Toledo references that some of you listening in other parts of the country or other parts of the world even may not be super familiar with. But all that being said, I think you're really going to relate to his story of just how inspirational it is that this guy really has pursued what he's loved. He's got the golden pipes and he's gone after it. And as you'll hear, you know, he really started from the bottom to get where he is and has had the opportunity in the last couple of years to get back into broadcasting and to continue to do games. And he's very grateful for that second opportunity to do so. He's battled some hardships along the way, but he is still behind the microphone and I was lucky enough to get him behind the mic for this podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with the one and only Bob Virgils. Here it is. All righty, there we go. Well, Mr. Bob Virgils, like I said, this is a real pleasure for me. Uh, for for people listening to this, Bob literally was one of the the most memorable voices from my childhood because I grew up going to Toledo Storm games at the sports arena, and uh, they're an ECHL hockey team or were an ECHL hockey team. And then, uh, gosh, it's two thousand nine. It's twenty twenty one now. The the Mud Hens ownership group. Uh, took over the franchise and basically rebranded them as the the walleye started fresh in a new in a new stadium but bob was the guy who was the the public address announcer at the toledo storm games at the sports arena and i have so many memories going to games with with my dad and if anybody's seen Slapshot, it wasn't quite that level in the 90s. It, it, wasn't, it was close. <laughs> it, it, but it, it was rowdy. It was an intimate uh, arena. And uh, so, yeah, so in terms of getting people on the show and persevering and moving forward and, and speaking to somebody who's been in the business a while, and, and I have a, a background in journalism and broadcasting, I'm just so excited to have you on. So thank you, Bob. It's Oh, it's so so nice to be on. And, and when people mention the storm, that was quite a, a very special time in my life. 16 years there at the sports arena. And uh, people keep saying, Bobby should write a book. I said, no, I'm not going to write a book. Uh, but there are so many memories of that place. And, and hockey today is so different than, than when it uh, was back then. It's still exciting. It's still world's fastest sport. But still, it wasn't. Uh, the walleye are not quite what the storm was. But I'm so glad to be able to have a chance to come back and do the walleye. I had to leave uh, a number of years ago, and uh, I was 
frankly, I was trying to save my marriage. And I told my wife at the time that I would give that up for her. Well, she still left anyway, but hockey was gone. And then when I moved back, I was doing some mud hen games this past summer. And the, my boss at the mud hen said, have you ever thought about maybe coming back and doing some hockey games? I said, constantly. I said, <laughs> it's, it's your gig. You've got to give it to me. And so sure enough, uh, Anthony Bellino, who was doing the walleye games for probably the last six or seven years, uh, is moving on in his career and wanted to do one more game, wanted to do the opening game so he could say goodbye to the fans, which, which I totally understand. Yeah. Then they brought brought me in after that, and they announced that that game that I was coming back and that uh, uh, and the fans booed. But in Toledo, <laughs> that's a good thing. Because a lot of people, when I say, oh, the fans boo, they say, oh, my gosh, don't they like you? I said, no, they boo because they do. That's how they show in Toledo. That's that's how they show that they like you. They boo you. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go way back because I'm always curious. A lot of times when I have musicians on the show, I like to ask them what their first musical memory was because I, I often feel like the things that we really love were drawn to at a very young age. And some people hold on to it. Some people let it go. But I got to imagine with you being you said, what, six, 69 years old now, you've been yeah. you've been doing this a long time. Who or what got you inspired to get into public address announcing and just broadcasting in general? My first love was broadcasting. I started out on a radio station in 1970. Uh, the radio station was WVMO, and I not only was an on-air person, but I did sports, which I really liked. But it goes back even farther than that. And when I was an athlete at Idaho High School, I, I, I never got a varsity letter. I never made a sports team. I tried out for basketball, got cut. Tried out for baseball four times, got cut. Uh, but I played Little League baseball. I played summer baseball. And I would sit on the bench because, you know, you had to get two innings, and that was the rule. They, they had to play you two innings. So I'd get my two innings. But in my five innings, I'd sit on the bench, and I would announce the game. I would do play-by-play because -play <laughs> I, I started out as a play-by-play -play man. And there were times, I swear, that I got put into the game so the coach didn't have to listen to me. <laughs> I, I can prove this because when we were sitting on the first base side in the dugout, when I was announcing and things, they would put me in the left field that night. But if we had the third base dugout, I'd either play first base, which is my natural position or right field, get, get Virgil's out of here, you know, let him go do that. But <laughs> I, I wanted to do that for, uh, for however long I, I could, I, I can't remember a day when I didn't want to be in broadcasting. Uh, and I didn't really have an inspiration as such, although I got to listen to some real pros. I mean, Van Patrick did the Detroit Lions. Of course, Ernie Harwell came in 1960 and did the Tiger games. Uh, and, I, and I really liked those two guys a lot. I didn't really follow the Red Wings till later, but uh, Bud Lynch and Bruce Martin did those games, and they were fantastic. And I couldn't tell you who did the Pistons game because I never really listened. But... Um, it was just one of those things where I couldn't be an athlete, but I loved the sport. I collected baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards, hockey cards. I could spit stats at you all night long. And it didn't hurt that I had a dad who was born in 1922, saw the 1927 Yankees play and was a Tiger fan to the day he died. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and I really got the love of sports from my dad. He really loved baseball, and to this day, I'd say the Tigers are probably my favorite team. Well, they are my favorite team, but of all the gigs I've had, 
the Tigers were, you know, it, it was, it was my first major league gig was with the Tigers, but I got my love of sports from my dad and my, uh, I don't know where I got my talking from, <laughs> I <don't laughs> know. but uh, my mother was an athlete. My, uh, my brother turned out to be an athlete. He played uh, basketball in high school, went on to play in college. Uh, my mom, when she was younger, was recruited by the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League because she was quite an athlete in Toledo, Ohio. But my grandfather, her father, would not allow her to play. Oh, wow. Back then, she graduated from DeVilvis High School in 1948, and they were still playing the uh, uh, girls' professional baseball then. My grandfather said, no, my daughter is going to get married. She's going to have kids. She's going to have breakfast, or she's going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner for her family already when they want to eat. She's going to be a housewife, and he would not let her play. And I, I felt badly about that. Uh, you know, when my mom told me later on, you know, that she had a chance to play, but never did. And uh, uh, that, that's kind of a, a sad thing. But uh, yeah, broadcasting started in 1970, and I was very fortunate. Uh, when I graduated from Ida High School in 1970, I went up to Eastern Michigan University. They had a summer broadcast school. WEMU was the station. And the two guys who did Eastern Michigan football were John Seidelman and Sam Eiler, who really kind of took a liking to me because of all the guys in the, uh, in the broadcast class that we had up there that summer, I was the only one who wanted to do anything in sports. And so uh, they kind of took me under their arm. And they knew that... WVMO had a new sports director. Ira C. Smith was just, he had just come up from Marion, Indiana to Monroe, Michigan. And so they called Ira said, we got this guy. He's from Ida, Michigan. He's one of your guys. Uh, I think you should probably listen to this guy, uh, you know, bring him in and talk to him. And my first job in broadcasting was not on the air at all. My first job was every Saturday I would drive from Monroe, to Ypsilanti to WEMU studios. And I would get this big reel to reel tape of the first half of the Eastern Michigan football game. And then while the Michigan game was playing live on WVMO, I would drive back to Monroe with the tape. They'd get the tape all set up. And when the Michigan game was done, they could start the first half of the Eastern Michigan game. And then in the interim, I would drive back to Ypsilanti again. I made two trips to Ypsilanti every Saturday. I would get the tape of the Eastern Michigan game, the second half, and I would drive it back and they would then just play it. About three or four weeks of doing that, uh, you know, I, I realized you, you have to start low and you've got to start doing the crap jobs, you know. Yeah. And that was definitely a crap job. Well, I went into the station and the disc jockey was just about ready to pass out. He was drunk when I oh. came up with the second half tape. So I called the station managers and said, hey, this guy is drunk. He's, he's passing out. What do I do? So he instructed me to roll him back. He was on a rolling chair, roll him back. And he helped me through. The station manager helped me through because they hadn't, they hadn't taught me the board. My first job was just running tapes back and forth. Yeah. And so my first disc jockey job was playing country music after the Eastern Michigan game got done on uh, a ton tape delay. And then from there, I got more and more stuff and I uh, got to start doing some color commentary on uh, on sports and things like that. Uh, 
and I eventually started to do some play-by-play, which I think was even better for me because I was not a former athlete. I didn't play football, so it's I, I, I couldn't comment on a play intelligently after it happened, but I could sure as heck describe it pretty well as it happened. Yeah. And so that's how I got into play-by-play. And, and I always tell young broadcasters and young announcers now, don't say there's number 33 with the ball. Never say the guy's number. Know the numbers well enough. Now, on defense, yeah, there's 11 guys trying to stop one. Really, on offense, you only need to know the quarterback, probably need to know the running backs. If they have some some outside receivers, a tight end, somebody's going to touch the ball. You know those guys. There's, what, four or five tops. Defense, have, have your spotter grab those numbers for you. But never say the guy's number. There's a pass to number 87. No, no, not pass. A, there's a pass to Joe Smith. And you got to know 87. You got to prepare. You have to, uh, you can't just show up and, and be a nice, pretty voice. You have to actually study and, and get the names, know the numbers, be able to attach them together. Uh, I went away to Western Michigan after I graduated from Monroe Community College because working at WVMO helped me pay for my community college. And I went away to Western Michigan and I started doing football. I started doing hockey there too. And I realized that hockey is virtually impossible. (laughs) They change on the fly. uh, But if you can memorize in threes and twos, you'll be okay. Because when there's a line change, three guys come out. When there's a defensive change, two guys come out. And so if, if you can keep that straight, and, and I, what I would do is I had them on little index cards and I would hold them up. I'm on radio. Nobody can see this. So I'd hold them up. And, and as number you know, 17 went across the, the blue line, uh, I knew that he was Joe Smith, you know, because I had it right in front. And then when he would, you know, head man the puck, he passed the head to so-and-so I had, you know, his line mate, I had it right there. And so that's, uh, I always tell guys, don't say the numbers. Nobody. People at home, they don't care who the numbers are. And it's a crutch if you say the numbers. And you can't have many crutches. So yeah. if you have a 56 to nothing game and and number 34 comes in as a running back, well, he's, his uniform is probably pretty shiny. And no, you never did get to see him before. So uh, it's okay to say his number once. But you better not say it more than once. Yeah, it's important. It's like, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, when I was writing, you know, you want to make sure you spell somebody's name right in the paper. You know what I mean? If that's their only time in the paper, you want to spell their name right in the paper. And when, when I would do high school games with Toledo sports network, that was one thing I tried to make sure of was pronouncing their names, right? Like we would get the roster, you know, before the game. And I, I would ask whoever, you know, the coach or whoever their stack guy was, Hey, how do you say this kid's name? How do you say that name? Cause when the parents watch it on TV or the kids watch it on TV, they don't, they don't want to hear you say the name wrong. Like, like a lot of people with my name, for example, they say Bauman instead of Bauman, you know, the, the you, the you makes them go out, you know what I mean? But, and I don't, and I don't mind, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're an athlete, like you said, whether, whether you're doing it on the radio or, and, and people know the person intimately or not, you know, they don't want to hear the number. They want to hear the name. They want to hear Michael Jordan. They want to hear Dennis Rodman, they don't want to hear number 23 or number 10, or, you know, they want to hear Darren McCarty just, you know, flew across the ice with Claude Lemieux and, you know. <laughs> yeah. As, as Claude Lemieux, Claude Lemieux turtled. Uh, but another thing too, is if you get the names wrong, it calls into question your credibility. And even if you get a name wrong, they're going to wonder if you just called that playwright because they already know that 
accuracy is not real special to you uh, because you just messed their name up. And when I, when I, uh, the toughest I ever did, the, the, the toughest games I ever did when it, when it came to getting the names right was when I did minor league football in Monroe. We had a, a team called the Southern Michigan Timberwolves and they would play against the uh, Toledo Thunder. Toledo Thunder had a bunch of former UT guys and, and Southern Michigan Timberwolves had a bunch of Bowling Green guys. So when we played, oh my gosh, it was war all the time. <laughs> uh, but in that league, you never knew who was going to show up. You know, you might get a roster on Wednesday, but you get a different roster on Saturday. And sometimes it'd be almost 25 to 30% different. And then you'd have to go down on the field while guys are warming up and you'd have to grab an equipment guy or, or an assistant coach. And you hope they were accurate, um, especially for PA, because the people right there can hear you. I mean, they're, you're, you're right there. And there were people who used to come up and if you get a name wrong, Oh, they, they'd let you know, uh, right while you're trying to do a game, announce a game live, <laughs> yeah. no, no security. And you know, well, when you start out, you're right at the bottom and, Later, when I made it to the Tigers and I made it to the Lions and I made it to the University of Michigan, security was far tighter. But with the Southern Michigan Timberwolves of the world and and uh, some of those teams, no, there was no security. And, and if you got something wrong, you got corrected right away. They came up. But the, the, uh, the Timberwolves were the only team. I've only been suspended once in my life. I'm coming up on 4,000 games. I'll, I will announce my 4,000th game sometime this spring. Oh wow! Congrats. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it, and the 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 times keep changing because I keep adding more games, and so that that means four thousand gets a little closer to me. And, and instead of maybe being a mud hen game, it might not be a mud hen game now. It might be something before that. Uh, but if someone asks me, I'm honored to be asked, and if I can work it in, I'll do it. But with the 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 Timberwolves, we were playing. Uh, between the first and second quarters of every game, I'd always do the top five reasons for you to come to the next game. And it was always something funny. There's five funny things. And <laughs> uh, the next week we were going to be playing in Toledo against the Toledo Thunder. And they were at Rogers High School, which you're probably familiar with. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, these teams would sometimes be kicked out of the fields because they wouldn't pay their they wouldn't pay the rent on time. So they, they wouldn't be able to uh, play. So my number one reason to go to the next week's game was uh, it's going to be played at Rogers High School against the hated Toledo Thunder if the Thunder's check doesn't bounce. Well, I didn't know that the <laughs> owner of the Toledo Thunder was sitting in the stands right below me. Oh, so wow. The next thing I know, I see these two beefy hands come up through the window in the press box, and this guy is pulling himself up his name was gabriel medina and he's pulling himself up uh and he starts yelling at me that you know check didn't bounce but you know and i'm i'm uh you know i'm libeling his team and slandering his team and all this other <laughs> stuff. He's yelling. and of course the fans are they just think this is hilarious because they're sitting right there and i'm trying to do a game the game keeps going on well the on monday of that next week the owner of the timberwolves calls me and says uh, bob I got something I, I have to give to you directly. I said, what is it, Tim? And they, Tim Lake was his name. He said, I, I can't, I'm not allowed to tell you. You have to come in. I said, it's okay. So I went to his office. And sure enough, here's a letter from the Mid-Continental Football League suspending me for the next week because of uh, 
uh, my comments and stuff on the PA system about a, another team and stuff like that. But what was really funny is, as a public address announcer, you only do the home games. This game was in Toledo, so I, was, I wasn't even scheduled to do the game. I got suspended for a game I wasn't even going to be doing. But I still have that letter in my memorabilia here. When I got suspended by the Mid-Continental Football League uh, for making comments that were, you know, I shouldn't have made. <laughs> well, that's a great segue to, to what I wanted to ask you uh, when we're talking tonight is, uh, you know, for people who don't know, uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of Toledo Storm fans who listen to this, uh, as well as Tiger fans and, and all the various stops you, you've had along the way. Among them, I, I tried to write down as many as I could, but the Storm, the, the Toledo Walleye, the Detroit Tigers, Wayne State, um, University of Michigan, I, I, I read about the, the, the radio show, the music radio show that you do. Um, University of Toledo, the Mud Hens, all of these, but you, you're somebody who injects humor. Not only do you have the pipes, but you inject humor into it. And I had actually forgotten um, that that people booed you when you would go, and I'm your public address announcer, Bob Virgils. I, I had actually forgot, for some reason, I forgot that as a kid. I always remembered, hey, T-Town, let's count them up. And, you know, yep. Toledo is back at full strength. I always, I always remembered those but I kind of forgot about the booze and I was reading up about why that was, but I I'd, I'd rather let you tell the story because you, you are somebody who has injected a lot of humor over the years into what you do. And I think that's part of the reason you've become such a, uh, an icon in, in, in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan with the games that you've done, because your, your style is very much your own. So I guess the first part of my question is where, where does that humor come from and then the second part would be let's let's get into the booze thing because like okay. people probably don't know that it's actually a badge of honor for you and it's there they actually it's out of love and not out of hate. It it is and you know well I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the booing in a minute but uh, for the longest time I was in the minor leagues and the PA announcer is more of a an entertainer in the minor leagues. When I was with the Southern Michigan Timberwolves for ten or eleven years actually, uh, I was with the uh, the storm for 16. I was with Wayne state university for 20 years. Uh, those are not major league venues. However, the, you need to entertain the fans. You know, they're there to see the game. Not, and I can guarantee you not one person ever bought a ticket because Bob Gilles is announcing the game tonight. No, they, they came to see the game. But part of what I do is, is add, I try to add to the overall enjoyment of the game. And, you know, this is minor leagues. You don't have to be totally serious. I tell you what, when I went to the Tigers, my boss, Joel Scott said, listen, you got quite a reputation of uh, kind of, you know, getting off the reservation on some of your comments. <laughs> but uh, I want to tell you that if it's not written on a piece of paper, it will not be heard on the PA system here at Comerica Park. And so, I, hey, I'll do what I, I made it to the major leagues. I'm going to do what I can to stay in the major leagues. And I did for 15 years, you know, by playing by the rules. Uh, But I've always, because I started out in radio, everything is so spontaneous and you have to entertain. And so you just kind of take that radio persona and you go to an arena or you go to a football field or you go to a baseball diamond and you, you kind of put some of that in there. And that's, that's why I try to entertain. That's why I, I try to do stuff that uh, Bobisms. Uh, 
uh, I'm trying to think, uh, the reporter years ago used to call them Bobisms, and he had a whole bunch of them. There, there are about 12 or 15 of them, uh, you know, that were were mine, and, and they just kind of developed over time. The, the big thing with the storm was the way I used to introduce the storm, and it was, hey, T-Town, here they come, your Toledo storm. Oh, yeah, the, the long out. storm, yeah. yeah and and that, here, here's how that started out. Uh, I, I would do that, and I, I wasn't conscious about the length. It, it it would kind of be long, but it wouldn't be super-duper long. And one time, some guy had had too many pops, uh, came up, staggering up to me uh, in the second intermission one time, and he said, uh, you know what, you just cost me five bucks. I said, what do you mean it cost you five bucks? Because, uh, you know, the fans could just come up to you. There was no security uh, at the sports <laughs> And he said, this cost me five bucks. I said, how's that? He said, well, I bet that you were going to go over 10 seconds with Storm and you didn't. And I had to pay my buddy five bucks. And I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, you cost me five. I said, let's win your five bucks back. I said, I didn't realize you were timing me. Oh, yeah, we all time you. Well, I don't think everybody was timing me. But this guy said he was. So I said, I'll tell you what, buddy. I said, bet your, your friend that I'll go 15 seconds. And I promise with storm i'll get 15 seconds and so the next time you know when they came out like two minutes later and i said your toledo storm and i made it for 22 seconds and wow. yeah because I, I i could tell because you know i'm watching the clock count down and so sure enough 22 seconds i said you know what that was not all that difficult so what i started to do i didn't do it when they'd come out for pre pre-game practice you know the warm-ups and stuff because I didn't want to blow the pipes early on. So, but when they would come out for the game, they come out in the second period, third period, man, I would give it as much as I could. I was getting averaging probably about 25 seconds and stuff. And then one night, Jim Tishy at uh, channel 24, who was one of the greatest guys ever. Uh, I just, I, I love Tish. He was great. He put more sports in his newscast than any of the other guys. And that's, that's nothing against Horace Tabner or any of those other guys or Cummins who became my friends, but Tish was, he was, he was the best. He came up to me one night and said, we want to do a live shot of you doing storm, do it as long as you can. And he says, and then we're going to go right into the newscast, sportscast. I said, okay. So I, I'm, you know, doing the breathing exercises and, and all that stuff, getting myself ready on live TV on channel 24. I hit 41 seconds. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. If you were to see the videotape, and it's out there. I, now, I don't have a copy of it, but I did see it one time. My face is like a strawberry. I was going to say, it's probably beet red. Oh, my gosh. And, and when I got done, my head almost hit the... Hit the I was going to say, did you, did you pass out right after that? But, oh, man, it, it was it was tough. And then, of course, everybody starts patting you on the back. Hey, hey, good job, good job, good job. Uh, hey, no, no, let me let me breathe. So you did that, you did that live every time. Cause see, when I was a kid at the sports arena, if people can take a mental picture, it was a very intimate arena, not very big. I mean, what would you say? It was about what? Six, 6,500 seats. people were a sellout. What was the sellout? Five, one, six, oh. Five one six zero, and there was there was uh, there were steps at the roof, um, and there was a little box up there. And I don't know if that's where the stat guys were, but I always thought that that's where you were. And I remember when the Toledo storm thing would happen. I, I think I don't know if it was my dad or somebody said, "Oh, it's just a recording, you know, to, to go that long." So you did it. You did it every game. 
Four times a game. Oh my gosh. Four times a game. Yeah. 41 seconds. That's, that's insane, seconds. man. I never got anywhere. Uh, I never got anywhere near that again, but I did it once. That's awesome. And, and so, so then the boo thing, you know, cause that's yeah. another one of your trademarks, you know, you do, um, well, well, actually, could you could you say it for the people? Because I don't want to butcher it. Just your intro before the game. I'm your ring announcer. Yeah. Uh, well, I would get done announcing all the minor officials, the official score, the penalty timekeeper, the goals. Because these guys were back then they weren't getting paid. Yeah. You know, they you'd get like two tickets for a game. Like, what do they need two tickets for? They're at the game. <laughs> that, that's how they pay them. And so I thought my thing is I'm going to introduce them all, introduce them all. And at the end. Uh, now, I was getting paid, but I wasn't getting paid much. And at the end, I'd say, and I'm your rink announcer, Bob Virgils. And Dan Savig, who was a columnist, uh, the hockey columnist for the uh, Toledo Blade at the time, uh, thought it was terrible. He thought it was okay that I introduced all the other minor officials, but he, he didn't think that the public address announcer ever uh, introduced himself. Well, why not? I mean, people are going to be listening to me for the next three hours. They should probably know who they're listening to. Yeah. And so... That's why I did it. Well, then Savvy came out in a column one time and he said, you know what? The next time Virgil's does that, just boo him. Just, it, you know, he shouldn't be introducing himself. Everybody else, yeah, but not Virgil's. He shouldn't be introducing himself. So boo him. Well, a lot of, a lot of the fans didn't like Savvy. They, they didn't care for him. And so what they did is they started booing, not because they were booing me, but because they were mocking him. And a lot of people don't realize, because there's another thing that, Toledo fans do too. During the national anthem, you know, six thousand people will yell, "Hit somebody!" right in the middle of the national anthem. Yeah. And I tell you what, if when when I was with the the storm, I was the one who'd have to prep the the uh, anthem singer before they walk out of the ice, and I'd always have to tell them if they were doing an anthem for the first time, I'd have to remember to tell them, "Hey, when you get to a certain spot, everybody's going to yell, hit somebody." Well couple of times I forget to tell somebody and it was their first anthem and they'd go out there and da, 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 and hit somebody. And <laughs> I tell you what, these poor people just about wet their pants on the ice because they didn't know what all these people were yelling about, but that's a tradition. It that's a tradition that went from the sports arena to the Huntington center. I mean, that, that came across, um, there were, there's been efforts to try to, to limit it, to stop it. You're not going to stop it. It's a, they're not going to stop them from booing me. I mean, it's it's a it's a Toledo tradition. Uh, another Toledo tradition is just before the visiting team their penalties done, when they're stepping on the ice, I'll say wheeling at full strength. Well, just before I say wheeling at full strength, the fa- there's a bunch of fans that'll chant, "Hey Bob, what's that smell?" And then I go wheeling at full strength. <laughs> just little stuff like that, or. Before one minute to go, uh, before you say one minute to play in the period, one minute, a lot of fans will say, hey, Bob, what time is it? And then then I do that. So, I mean, there's some traditions in Toledo that just, they made it from the sports arena to the hunting center, and I don't see them going away anytime soon. It's a great, it's a great hockey town and it really is old time hockey feel, you know, for, for people who have seen the movie Slapshot when I was a kid in the nineties, it wasn't, it wasn't to that degree, but it definitely would get rowdy and going back to the hit somebody chant. I, I, I wanted to tell you this because I was talking to my dad about it and him and his buddies and my uncles, 
Uh, one of them, uh, my uncle Rick may rest in peace, but they used to go to the gold digger games back in the day. So for people listening, the Toledo gold diggers um, actually were a very, really very good team in the, the what seventies, early eighties. Uh, yeah, Michael Ruzioni played for the, uh, the, the USA team that, uh, that beat, well, at the time it was what USSR back then, but, but Russia. And uh, he claims that, him and his buddies and, and my uncles, they were the ones who started the hit somebody chant. I don't know if there's any way to verify it, but he said that was something that they would do back in the day, going back to the Toledo gold diggers games. And then it continued on with the storm and the wallet. Back then uh, that's, that's very believable to me because back then in uh, 1974, 75, that's, that's when Ted Garvin came in. And when Ted Garvin came in, his theory was we're going to beat you in the alley and we're going to beat you on the ice. And sure enough, I, I remember as a fan going the game, sometimes that would take four and a half minutes long or four and a half hours uh, because there'd be so many fights. And uh, back then, <laughs> the National Hockey League had no limit on fights. You know, they, they eventually came up with three fights and you get, you know, you're, you're out of the game. You get a game misconduct. But back then, well, I was there the night that uh, they got in a big fight before, before the game. They were, the two teams were skating in warm-up. And the next thing you know, there's 18 guys going at it, including the goaltenders, and there were no officials on the ice. Uh, because of that brawl, there, are, there now will be uh, an official. If they're not on the ice, they're at least watching uh, what, what's going on in the ice. We had some pushing and shoving a couple times with the storm, and I was, I was the only official who was there, and I, you know, they'd come down and ask me what happened. And, and if a storm guy through the first punches it, you know, I just didn't see what started. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's go back to the nineties for a minute. Cause was it, it was what 1990. Is that when it, when the Toledo storm kicked off and, and you were like one, one of, or the actually maybe what the first employee with the Toledo storm yes, that was hired. Yes, I was uh, actually the, the Toledo storm first played in 1991. Okay. Uh, they had an exhibition game in 1990 uh, Cincinnati and Erie came in and played an exhibition game because Barry Soskin wanted to see if uh, uh, hockey could make a goal in Toledo again. Well, he got his answer when they sold out uh, an exhibition game for two minor league teams no one had ever heard of, the Erie Panthers and the, the Cincinnati, I think at the time, were, the, were they the Stingers? I don't think they were the Cyclones yet. But uh, Cincinnati and Erie came in, and our old buddy Dennis DeRosier, who was the man – you know, Toledo loved to hate. Uh, he used to play in Saginaw. And we hated him when he played against the Gold Diggers, and now he was coaching Cincinnati. And he came in, and and uh, uh, oh, the the place was it, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And Barry knew this is you know this is what I got to do. And so uh, the, the public address announcer that night was horrible. I don't I don't know who he was, but he was terrible. So I wrote a letter to Barry and said, listen. Uh, when you bring this team in next year, uh, I, I can tell you, I can do this better than that guy. I'm better than him. And so here's how to get a hold of me and all that kind of stuff. I had never done public address. I had, I'd always done play-by-play. I had no interest in play-by-play, but I wanted to be the PA man. And so oh, about a month later, I get a call from one of Barry's guys and says, hey, listen, I'm taking Barry up to the airport. He's got to fly back to Chicago tonight. Uh, we're going to drive right through Monroe. Uh, you want to meet for dinner? I said, sure. So we met at the Bob Evans restaurant at North Dixie Highway 75, had dinner. And at the end of dinner, I said to Barry, 
uh, would you like me to put together a tape and send you the tape so you can hear what I sound like? He said, listen, he said, I've been sitting here at, at dinner for an hour. I've been listening to you talk the entire time with your mouth full of dinner. And I understood every word you said, you got the job. And, <laughs> and I got hired right on the spot. And sure enough, that summer when I went down to get my, uh, my ID badge, it was zero, zero, 001. And I still have that badge in my memorabilia. Uh, I've made arrangements with the Toledo walleye that when I die, that they're going to get my hockey memorabilia and I want them to like auction it off or maybe sell it uh, to make money for the walleye wishing well, which is, it's their charity. And they, they buy tickets for kids who can't get tickets to games and stuff like that. So I don't know if anybody would want any of that kind of stuff, but you never know. I, I've oh, there off. definitely will be Bob for sure. 100%. And, well, and, and I hope, and I, I speak for all the fans who've listened to you over the years. I hope, I hope it's, it's not for a, a while that that, that, that day comes, man. Me too. Me too. Cause just today I bought a new car. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to live, live at least six more years. Cause that's the term of the loan. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite memories over the years, because I, for some reason, two teams stick out to me in, in terms of teams that always played Toledo pl- pretty chippy. I mean, Cincinnati was in state, but I, I remember some battles with the Columbus chill because I was born in 88. So mid nineties, I was six, seven, eight years old. Um, I think they, they won what 93. And then was it, was it 98? I think they had the best well, we, record. The storm won back to back in 93 and 94. They, that's right. Back to back in 93, 94. And then was it, was it 98 that they had like the best record? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go back now to when I was oh, a kid. Golly. It was the year, Cla- uh, gosh, it was the year Claude Noel was coach because it helped Claude get a, an AHL job. And he later ended up in the national hockey league. He coached two teams in the national hockey league. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It was 93 and 94, but you talk about the rivalries when the Dayton bombers would come in. Oh, it was unbelievable. And uh, it was it was always real chippy. I tell you what, Johnstown always they were they were a crappy team. They the Chiefs, yeah. Crappy. But man, they'd always come in and they'd have four or five cement heads. Uh, <laughs> you know, guys who just would fight it in. You know, you'd look at them and they'd fight. Uh, but another one that we really became rivals with, big time rivals. In fact, we won the first cup by beating them. Was the Wheeling? They were uh, the Thunderbirds at the time. They're now the Wheeling Nailers. Uh, but, boy, we had some great games against Wheeling. Not only good hockey games, but some knockdown, drag them out. Uh, they had a guy by the name of Van, uh, Matt Van Horlick one time. That, he was their goon. And some of the, the craziest nights we ever had down in Toledo were church nights. They, they'd, uh, <laughs> they'd go to church groups and sell, you know, buy 20 tickets, you get half off, something like that. And we get all these churches in there. So, uh, I used to introduce all the churches. And sometimes there were 20 or 30 churches had groups at the game. And those were the worst, oh, I won't say the worst games, but the, the wildest games. I mean, the the night I had to keep T- Kenny Tasker from going after one of the guys in the penalty box on the other side was a church night game. Uh, <laughs> but Wheeling came in and they had their their goon. His name was uh, Matt Van Horlick. And he got in a fight with one of our guys down in the corner, Charlie Elise. And Elise just, just wiped the ice with him. Well, Van Horlick couldn't, he, he didn't learn his lesson. He didn't come over the penalty box right away. So as he's skating, they're trying to skate him over the penalty box, somebody on the Toledo bench yells at him. He goes over, goes over and starts to challenge the Toledo bench. 
well, two guys reach out and get them and just, <laughs> oh, just, just made them into mincemeat. Uh, but those two guys, they, now they got the game misconduct because you're not supposed to beat a guy. Right. The <laughs> right. But that, that was so typical of, of some of the wild nights we'd have down there. Hockey's different now. Yeah. It's still a rough sport. I mean, right. these are tough guys, but it's not that it's, it's not the, the really wild, crazy stuff that you wonder, how did that, how did that happen? So where you were sitting, um, cause for people listening to this again, it's a, it's an intimate, it's an intimate arena, very small, small concourses. Um, I loved it quick aside when, when things got a little bit more politically correct at the turn of the, uh, the millennium. And it became the smoke-free sports arena, but you could still smoke in the Riverdome Lounge, and you'd open up that blue curtain and just get hit with a plume of smoke. But um, players used to come off the ice, for everyone listening to this, and they would go right through the concourse. And I think they would try to put, like, a curtain up, but people would be right there getting in their face. And I, I think the officials, too, I mean, it, they would have to go right through all of these fans who were drinking, you know, cheap beer, <laughs> pretty oh. rowdy, and, and go right into the locker room. Many were the nights that we'd hear that some fan had gotten thrown out because he threw beer on a on an opposing player as the guy was going to the locker room. Uh, I'm surprised more fans didn't get punched by players uh, because there there was a lot of that stuff going on. Uh, and and you're right about the concourse, very small concourse. Well, when they got rid of when I first started doing the games, you could smoke in the stands. Yeah, you could smoke in the stands, and then they uh, revised that you had to smoke in the concourse. Well, the way that the the uh, HVAC system was the uh, uh, air, the ventilating system, it would suck the air <laughs> in to the arena. <laughs> so even though we had all these people smoking out of the concourse by the third period, uh, oh, it was there were you know it just I would go home every night. I'd have to get my my sport coats and my suits dry cleaned every couple of weeks because they would smell like smoke so bad. Oh, I remember it. And I remember before the game too, when the, you know, the, they put all the lights on, like right when the game would start, they put all the lights on. You could see the haze of smoke hanging above the, <laughs> hanging above the ice. You mentioned oh, wheeling. Yeah. Um, I remember before, cause then they bumped up to the AHL, which I think they're still in the AHL, but I remember some battles with the Peoria Rivermen oh. as well. There were some, there were some battles with them in the playoffs. I think one year they may have even gotten the storm and knocked them out of the playoffs. I remember going to at least a couple of playoff games against them. And then the Columbus Chill, I remember some chippy matchups with them. But, yeah, there was there were some good ones back in the day. Um, but uh, you were there, obviously. They won in Toledo in 93, right? What was, what was oh, that I, like I was, to, to I was see the that? very first guy. Well, it was, it was really different because I showed up the first night thinking I was going to be announcing from the press box. They said, oh, no, you're going to be announcing from the uh, penalty box area. And, by the way, we don't have a disc jockey, so – uh, we need you to play the music too. And so I said, Oh, okay. Well, and, and back then, uh, Oh, sorry. I, I keep forgetting that I'm on the camera here. I keep moving my camera. My oh, you're head. okay. You're okay. But, uh, back then all the music was on cassettes. So when you would play the song somehow during this game, you had to rewind it, cue it up. So the next time you needed that, uh, that tape, you know, you, you had it. And uh, we always played the theme from Rocky every time there was a fight. And some, well, a lot of nights there were six, eight fights in, in a game. And so I was constantly, 
constantly uh rewinding those tapes and every <laughs> once in a while one would break and then you the next game you'd have to come back with that tape uh but the first four or five years i i was everything you know the the disc jockey and the announcer and and all that kind of stuff and a lot of people don't realize too that you have to be real careful in a lower league like that because we'd get the roster from the team from the visiting team and then they'd show up and there might be three or four guys on the ice that had numbers that were not in the program. And of course I have to, I have to make sure I get the numbers. And there were times if they didn't come in with a broadcaster, there were times that in a pregame warmup, I'd have to lean over and grab the guy by his Jersey and say, Hey, number 27, what's your name? We don't have your name. <laughs> John Doe. And, uh, yeah, a couple, a couple of times I got some really nasty looks when I did that, but it's like, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the minute I don't do that, you'll get in a fight. You'll get a penalty. You'll get a goal. You'll get an assist. I got to say your name. I can't say number 27. Right. You no. Know, and, and, uh, uh, so I, were you I, the one playing uh hit the road, Jack, uh, when the opposing team would go to the penalty box, wasn't yep. it hit the road, Jack? Yeah, and, uh, we, we did that. We also played Mr. Big shot. Mr. Yeah. Big shot. Who do you think you are? And then of course, when, uh, one of our guys that go to the penalty box, it was, uh, you play innocent man by Billy Joel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then when, when we would have uh, Saturday night games, if there was a fight, you'd play Elton John Saturday night's all right for fighting. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff, but we, the theme from Rocky on normal fights by normal, I mean, Friday night, Sunday night, Wednesday night games. Cause back then the ECHL was, all weekends and Wednesdays. That's Do you have every, anything from uh, from the sports arena, Bob, before they tore it down? Was there anything that you wanted to, to take with you? You mentioned of your memorabilia. I wanted the microphone, but somebody got it. Who Do you know who got it? I don't know who got it, but it wasn't there. It well, if you're listening, if you're a fan and you have Bob's mic, let, what, let's let's yeah. let's get it going. Let's get it back to Bob. Um, yeah. Well, I'd, and the, it, I'd like to have that. In the time we have left, because uh, I want to be respectful of your time, and you were you were punctual, you're right on time, and I knew you would be. Um, we got going a little bit before this, but in the in the 15 or so minutes uh, left that I want to keep you, there's I feel like I could talk to you forever. And thank you again so much, Bob, for taking the time. But um, going into the 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 other part of your career, you know, you mentioned the Tigers being your your favorite team and getting to do their 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 games for what you said 15 seasons. Um, Talk to the people a little bit about that, but also, you know, with the theme of this podcast being perseverance and, and moving forward, I know in the last few years and, and, you know, we can go in as deep or as, as shallow as you want to go into it. I, I never want to make anybody uncomfortable, but, you know, you know, you, you survived a heart attack a few years ago. Um, you've been through divorce. I, I'm a child of divorce. And so I know a little bit about what, what that's like. You also moved to Florida to take care of your mom. And I know this was this was after many years with the Tigers, but just um, talk to me just about um, one, I guess, just your experience with Detroit, and then also some of those hardships that you faced over the last few years, and now getting back into being able to do walleye games again and broadcasting games again. The Tigers, I've been a Tiger fan since I saw my first game in 1960, and my dad goes back to 1927, so it's in my DNA to be a Tiger fan. And when I got hired in uh, 2004, that was the year I got hired. Uh, I always joke that 
they signed me the day after they got Pudge Rodriguez when they realized they had enough money left. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's when I came in. But when you look at the years I was with the Tigers, I was there for 15 years, 2004 through 2018. I am so fortunate in that I was there for arguably the 10 best consecutive years of Tigers baseball in the history of the Detroit Tigers. When you think of the players I got to see every night, uh, Miguel Cabrera, for one, saw Sheffield, Victor Martinez, uh, Prince Fielder, Verlander, uh, uh, David Price. Well, one, heck, one year, all of our starters uh, eventually in their career would be Cy Young Award winners. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, then when we had Papa Grande, uh, Jose Valverde, heck, he saved 49 games out of 49 games one year. It was, it was, it was Joel Zamaya. It was Brandon Inge. It was, you name it, uh, Pudge Rodriguez. These guys were just amazing. And then for a Tiger fan like me, so many Tigers hang around the Tigers after they're gone. I mean, I would see Jack Morris. I would see Kirk Gibson. Uh, I would see Mr. Horton and I'd see Mr. Kaline and Mr. Harwell would come by. Uh, and I see him all the time too, to be able to, to see those guys. What an adventure that was for, for a guy like me. It, it's always funny. I, I tell you, my dad is a huge, my dad was a huge baseball fan. And he always told me that I was baptized in May of 1952. And he could always remember the day I got baptized because it was the, the day that Virgil trucks pitched his first no hitter of the 1952 season. He pitched two no-hitters for the Tigers that year. Oh, wow. son of a, in 2007, Justin Verlander pitched the first Tigers no-hitter in Detroit since 1952 when Virgil Trucks pitched a no-hitter. Well, the Tigers are big ones on tradition. So sure enough, after Verlander had pitched his no-hitter, the Tigers went and got Virgil Trucks, who was still living at the time, and Joe Ginsburg, his catcher, who was still living at the time, and brought them back so Verlander uh, could throw out a first pitch with Virgil Trucks, and uh, Verlander threw to Joe Ginsburg, and, and Trucks threw to Pudge Rodriguez, because Pudge was uh, JV's catcher that day. Well, that day up in the press box before they went down to the field, Here's these two old gentlemen standing there, and I recognize them immediately as Virgil Trucks and Joe Ginsburg. And I, I couldn't resist the opportunity to go up and shake their hand and say, uh, Virgil Trucks, I, I got to tell you this story. My dad always could remember the day I was baptized because it was the day you pitched your first no-hitter in Detroit. And, and the first no-hitter of the 52 season. He says, yeah. He says, you want to hear something funny? I said, what's that? He says, I've I have met all 35,000 of the 5,200 people who were at that game. <laughs> and then uh, I had seen Joe Ginsburg play too, because I saw him in 1961 when he played for the Baltimore Orioles. And I said, you know, Joe, I, I saw you play. And my dad mentioned at the time when I saw you play, that that's the guy that caught Virgil Trucks's no hitter first one in 1952. And Ginsburg said, my God, how old are you? But it was, it was, it was pretty neat getting to meet those guys. And uh, I got to meet some of my heroes too, over the years, they come in as broadcasters, Bobby Mercer, when he played for the Toledo Mudhens in 1966, 
and later became a broadcaster for the Yes Network doing Yankee games. And my first year, Bobby was still doing road games for the Yankees. And I got to meet him to get the pronunciations for the New York Yankees because uh, I'd always go to the broadcasters to get the pronunciations. They're going to say the guy's name 30 times in a night, not the PR guy. Right. So I, I would go to the broadcaster. And when, when your hero, Bobby Mercer, calls you Bobby, as I was leaving, he said, Bobby, have, have a good game. Would you? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> my hero just and, and now Bobby's gone, too. And I used to see Mike Hegan all the time. Mike Hegan was a Toledo Mud Hen uh, in 1965 and 66. And he was my favorite because he was a first baseman. And so was I uh, get, to, I got to meet Mike Hegan a number of times. And uh, a lot of the guys got Ray Fossey who just passed away. Oh, probably two months ago came in as a broadcaster with, uh, with the Oakland A's. And I got to, to meet him and, and eat with him when he was in town and, but the most memorable of all the former ones I got to meet was Mr. Kaline. I can't even call him Al Kaline. He was Mr. Kaline. And uh, the last two years I was with the Tigers, he knew I was driving back and forth from Florida to Detroit to do the games. And he would call me the worldwide traveler. Well, I'd, I'd see a bunch of these minor league guys play ball. Even on my off day, I might drive to Erie. <laughs> you know, and, you know, when I was in when I was in Michigan, I might drive to Erie, Pennsylvania, just to watch a game if I had an off day. I know I'm I'm crazy, or I'd drive <laughs> to Grand Rapids to watch too, and I'd say, Mr. Kaline, I saw this guy, and I'd describe who the guy was. You know, one of the Tiger farmhands, and this guy, he was a special assistant to the general manager. He would he would say, okay, you know, he says, yeah, I can see that you'd see that about the guy, but here's here's one of the reasons he probably isn't going to make the major leagues, and he he lists three or four things. And sure enough, stuff that the fans can't see. You know, I, I like to say, you know, I saw 1,200 Major League Baseball games for the Tigers, hundreds of minor league games over the years. I like to think I could probably spot some talent. But when I would compare notes with Al Kaline, or Mr. Kaline, oh, my gosh, I really <laughs> – this guy was amazing. And you figure he's he, – up until he died, he was the greatest living Tiger. And, yeah. um uh, just the nicest man. Uh, I, I really value the time that I spent with Mr. Kaline. And, and I got to know Dave Dombrowski really well too, because his daughter Darby was in the Miss America program. And for 30 years, I was an interview coach in the Miss America program. And Darby was one of my, uh, she was one of my clients. Oh, cool. And, and she never won a, never won a pageant until I worked with her. So I, hey, I man, that's, you got that on your resume too, amongst all yeah. the stops. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and Dave Dombrowski, I'll tell you what, I, I plan to live long enough to go to his induction in the hall of fame. And I, I teased him when he got the Philly job. I said, would you please retire? I said, because that five-year window doesn't start. <laughs> but when he's done with the Phillies, I think he's, he's going to go to Nashville because he's part of a group now that's trying to bring baseball to Nashville. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's been making some of the news down here. Uh, I I think it would do well. The the sound's got a got a nice area, and I, I'm I I think there's enough room that they could probably even expand from that. And Dave Dombrowski, I I swear is the best living baseball man uh, there can be. Look at what he did with the Tigers. Of course, yeah. he had Mike Illich's money to 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 spend, but he's the guy that went out and you know anybody can sign a superstar, but he got the guys who were the, the uh, supporting players as well. And I'll tell you what, Dave Dombrowski is, he's, he's the best man in baseball. If I had to start a franchise, 
I'd call them first and here, here's your check. You, you fill in the zeros. So, so in, in closing, Bob, and thank yeah. you again so much for your time. You know, I'm sorry. It took so much time. Oh no, no, no. It's I, I, I would, I, I could talk to you for three hours, Bob, but gosh, I, I want to be respectful and, and, uh, and, and, you know, be, be timely. And, and, uh, and again, I'm so grateful that you did this, but, um, you know, going back to just, you know, the, the heart attack a few years ago, taking care of your mom, you mentioned, you know, you know, for people who might not make the connection and I'll put up the link. To, there was some, some good stories written about your, your coming back. Um, you know, Mark Monroe, uh, just wrote a nice story a about guy. you. And was it I Dave Briggs know. who wrote another one from, from the blade. So that's kind of cool to have it come full circle after, after the boost stuff 30 years ago. But, but, you know, you were taking care of your mom in Florida, going back and forth to Michigan. Uh, you had a heart attack a few years ago. Um, but, but here you are at this stage of your life at 69, still doing it back with the walleye, getting ready to do your 4,000th game. I mean, what have you learned ab- about yourself over these last few years? Because it takes perseverance and resilience to go through that with your mother, to go through your own health issues. And even doing this podcast, we, we were scheduled, um, even on a day where your, where your, your wife took you to the hospital, you, you still were kind enough to get back to me and say, Hey, Mike. I think I could do the show. And I was like, Bob, for the love, no, you're not doing the show. Get well. My podcast can wait. But you've been through some stuff, man. But here you are uh, still alive and kicking and um, in good spirits and and doing hockey again and doing games again. Um, just tell the people a little bit about any, any one, the things you've learned about yourself as you've gone through these things. And then any advice that you would have to anybody out there who's who's trying to persevere in any way, whether it's health, whether it's mental, physical, you know, cause you know, you, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot over the years and, and you're still living to tell the tale, man. The, the thing I would say, what I, what I really learned about myself is how important these sporting events were in my life. You know, when I left the tigers, it was, uh, it was one month to the day that I had my heart attack, uh, from when I did the last game and then the, did the quadruple bypass. Uh, and the thing that really pushed me the thing that really made me realize uh, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die is I wanted to keep doing games. And I tell you what, when I did my first spring training game in 2019, after I'd had the heart attack, what, six months before, you don't know what that meant to me. It it showed me I could do it. And then the Tigers uh, kept me on to do the full slate of games for the Lakeland Flying Tigers. And here you go, the every night, every night, every night. And but I did it, you know, and, and God gave me a second chance. I don't know. He's got something else for me to do. I, I don't know what it is, but he could have taken me then and didn't. And when I came back here, I, I came back because the woman I was about to marry uh, didn't want to live in Florida. So I came back here. Uh, I made sure I got back just in time for the Tigers 2020 season because the man who took my place did die. Jay Allen, who took my place in 2019, died of cancer before the 2020 season. And I really hoped I would get a chance to come back. But the Tigers uh, wanted to change it up. And and I can kind of see that. They they really gave me a good send-off. And then here a year later, you want to come back? Well, yeah, I didn't have a heart attack before. And I have, and I've come back, but, uh, I really, I know what I, when athletes 
I've known have told me about what it's like to get a second chance. I got a second chance. And I got to say that uh, the University of Toledo, I just love you because they're the ones who brought me back. Once I got back up here in Michigan, you know, there was no sports, no sports to do. And it wasn't until last December of 2020 that I got a call from the University of Toledo and said, listen, Anthony Bellino, our regular guy, can't do this basketball game. Can you do it? I, I thought for probably a nanosecond, and I said, sure. Uh, but they're the ones who brought me back. And I was really scared. I was more scared than the first time I did a Major League Baseball game. And I got scared before every game I did. You know, people say, geez, you've done so many games. Yeah, but you know what? It's a different kind of pressure. When you've done so many games, everybody expects you to be perfect. And you know what the 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 pressure of perfection is is pretty tough. But you're in the major leagues. You know, a lot of people want your job. A lot of people think they can do your job. You have to do your job. And Ernie Harwell always used to say that uh, baseball is the only sport where you have to be perfect on opening day and they get better as the season goes on. And that's, that's any sport, really. You have to continue to get better. But I, I have to say that the University of Toledo, I, I am so indebted that they brought me back. And then the, the Mud Hens said, you know, I, I did University of Toledo baseball, too, last spring, 2021. And that led to the Mud Hens. And the Mud Hens led to the walleye. And, you know, one thing leads to another. I, I never have to audition for a job anymore. I get, I get calls. I'm, I'm really <laughs> lucky that way. In fact, I tell people I'm the luckiest man I've ever met. I have, if I ever do write a book, and I'm not going to Tom Treese, and I'm not going to Don Bandaputty. These two guys keep wanting me to write a book. Uh, but if I ever do, it'll be called The Luckiest Man I've Ever Met. Uh, but I am very fortunate. But I got that second chance, and I'm not – I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I realize I'm, I'm much closer to the last game I'll ever announce than I am to the first game I announced, but I'm going to keep announcing as long as, as long as somebody's got a microphone and as long as there's a chair right behind it and there's some sort of uh, covering in front of me, I'll do that game. And, uh, and to those who want to get into this business, I tell the same story start little, do every seventh grade softball game you can, do the junior high soccer game, uh, do job, drive back and forth between Eastern Michigan University and Monroe with football tapes, do what you got to do to get your foot in the door and take advantage of every opportunity you get. Uh, earlier in my career, I got jobs when I filled in for people uh, I got the Wayne State basketball job by filling in for somebody. And, and eventually they just said, well, you know what? We don't want him. We want you. And just take advantage of if when someone opens the mic, remember, it's not just a game. It's an audition. Well, Bob, I, I think that's a great place to end it. I, I greatly appreciate your time. I feel like, like I said, I feel like I could talk to you for two or three hours. And, and, and by the way, you're always welcome back. Uh, but I know you got to keep, I know you got to keep the pipes in shape and, and you announce a lot of games, but just know that there's, there's always an open door on March 4th. And 
like I said, man, it's uh, it's really coming full circle for me because um, this has probably been the most challenging 18 months in my life with some things that I've gone through this year. And uh, to, to get to close out the year and have one of the last podcasts I do of 2021 uh, be with a guy that I grew up listening to and going to games to with my dad and my buddies and all the memories that I've had. Uh, it's it's cool to, to end the year on a high note and hear your voice. And, and again, man, I'm happy that you're well. I'm happy that you're back behind the mic and um, don't be a stranger, man. This is great. And if anybody's listening out there, you got Bob's mic from the sports arena. Come on, be, be a trooper. Let's get it back to Bob, man. That would be really cool. But I, I really appreciate your time, my friend. Oh, this, this was, this was fun, especially, I don't get a lot of chances to talk about the storm, uh, but that was a very special time. And, and it all started with the storm. Barry Soskin took a chance uh, and it worked out pretty well. And, Almost 4,000 games later, I'm still trying to learn how to do this. <laughs> I have fond, fond memories of those days. I wish I wanted to get a seat or two from, from the sports arena. And in fact, I think there's a bar in Toledo. Oh, gosh, the name is escaping me right now. Um, where I think it might be Wesley's, actually, where I think on their patio, at least at a time, they had a couple of uh, seats from the sports arena. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I, I wanted to get some stuff from 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 the sports arena because uh, you know it was. Some people would say it was a dump, but you know what? It was it was our dump. There was there was a lot of memories there. It was it and and you were a big part of that, man. And uh, I, those will always be things I hold close uh, as long as my my brain is working properly because those were those were great days going to those games and hearing you. And um, like I said, I, I think I speak for everybody listening to this that I'm glad that you're back behind the mic and doing your thing. And also, uh, Wally Kaiser, right. Was your radio, your other radio show doing the music. So you, for people who don't know, Bob does a music show too. Yeah. I, I always love Motown music and I love country music too, which those, those things, uh, those are two tracks that don't seem to go parallel a lot, but, uh, I really like those kinds of music and the, the chance that I get, uh, on, can I, can I say the name of the radio station that I'm on? Absolutely. 100% plug anything you want to plug, Bob. Well, it's Rewind 94.3 in Monroe, Michigan. And if you want to listen to it on uh, on the internet, because it's a very small power station, you can listen to uh, www.mpactstudio.org. And my show is on every Tuesday night at 7 and every Sunday night at 7. And it's an hour. And it's all Motown and music and, and soul classics too. I mean, there's we don't just play Motown music, but you get Ray Charles, you get Aretha Franklin, you get uh, you know uh, those kind of folks, and uh, who weren't Motown, but clearly were were soul singers. And uh, I, I really enjoy doing that. That's a it's a labor of love. I have more fun putting the show together than actually doing it because I get to hear all the songs. Well, definitely send me the link because I'm going to put it in the podcast description for this episode. And I just had a light bulb moment since you don't want to write the book. How about we do this? How about we get a ghostwriter and the book comes out under the name Wally Kaiser because that's your radio show name. So then you don't have to do any of the work, Bob, and everybody gets to hear these awesome stories. But, you know, the funny thing is, here is the funny thing. I was a newspaper reporter for 10 years and I still write a lot of uh, speeches for people, and uh, I do news releases for people sometimes. And uh, and and I was a, a communications specialist for years with AAA Michigan and uh, DTE Energy, Detroit Edison. And so I've done a ton of writing in my career. And writing is one of my strengths. 
I, I just don't want to take time to do it. <laughs> I tell people, read what I put on Facebook. And then if you think you want that as a book, when I die, you be the first one to get to a publisher with all the stories I put on Facebook. It would be a great audio book, Bob. You got the pipes. And, 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 and real quick, and I know I said I was going to let you go, but how did you come up with the name Wally Kaiser? Because that's a pretty great radio name. Yes, it is. Uh, my, my best buddy in, in high school, and we went away to Western Michigan together, was Wally Stutz. So that's where the Wally came from. And there was a girl in Adrian, Michigan, who I went to school with, who I just thought was beautiful. I wanted to go out with her. She wouldn't have anything to do with me. Her name was Christine Kaiser. And so I took the last name Kaiser, figuring maybe I could impress her. It didn't work. But <laughs> Wally Kaiser was born. And uh, that's that's been my uh, my rock and roll disc jockey name uh, forever. Well, well, let's see, back in the early 70s. So... Well, folks, definitely check it out in the podcast description for this episode. Bob, I, again, I greatly appreciate the time. Happy holidays and, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. And like I said, you're welcome back. Thank you very much. And this was a lot of fun. I, I love going down memory lane and uh, uh, to be able to to hear someone who says, that, you know, you're part of, of their life growing up. That really means a lot. You know, people might not say that, but it means a lot to me. In fact, today I gave a speech at Wyandotte Roosevelt High School, and some kid told me, told me that. He said, you know, I, I went to Tiger Games all the time when you were there. He says, you're, you're part of the soundtrack of my childhood. I go, oh, man. So that, that, it's kind of humbling, but it makes you realize that the next time you're on the microphone, you better make sure you don't disappoint them. Well, you're, you're, you're going to have a whole new generation of fans with the, with the walleye fans now. That's crazy. It's probably fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth generation now, if you, if you really start to think about it. I'm not saying it to make you feel old, but just your impact, man. It's been, it's been awesome. Uh -huh. So I greatly appreciate it. I, I've even worked with, uh, uh, with the Mudhens this past year. I worked with a grandson of kids I went to high school with. So uh, I, I don't look at it as being old. I just look at it as being blessed that I've been able to I have this longevity. And even though I've had some health problems the last couple of years, um, you know, you just keep sitting behind a microphone and as long as there's a sporting event and they want to put me on the payroll, I'm there. <laughs> well, Bob, I appreciate it, man. Thank you again so Thank much. You. And Hey, if you guys ever decide to make a trip to Nashville, get in touch with me, man. We'll go get some, I we'll get some hot chicken or some chicken and waffles, go to the Nashville palace or something. You can see some, some good country music, man. I will do that, and uh, I'll, I'll try to give Dave and Carrie, his wife, a call and say, hey, uh, we're coming over. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob, thanks again. Merry Christmas to, and happy holidays to you and yours, man. Thank you again so much for your time. Merry Christmas to you and, and to your audience, and uh, uh, let's have a normal 2022. Absolutely. That sounds good to me. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your night, Bob. Thank you. I will. Good night, everybody. See, See you later, and thank you. You're welcome. All righty, Dighty, there you have it. That was my conversation with Bob Virgils. Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast, my man. It was great talking with you. I meant every word that I said. You were one of the voices of my childhood, and I have so many great memories going to the Toledo Sports Arena to see Storm game up with my dad. And uh, you were you were the guy, man. You got the golden pipes. 
the 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 catchphrases that you used and the stories that you shared on this podcast. Uh, um, I, I hope they're a real treat for anybody out there who went to those games growing up and heard your voice as well. And for those of you who listen to this who who have no idea about the Toledo Storm or about Toledo Sports Arena, just know that Bob was the man. And I, I hope that you really enjoyed this conversation, even though you weren't local to Toledo, because it really is an inspirational story. This guy has been able to make a living doing what he loves to do. He's battled health issues and come back and um, you know took care of his mother and, and has come back and, and gotten back into broadcasting. And, you know, you heard about his love for doing what he does, you know, driving back from Florida to do games. I mean, he's dedicated. He's as dedicated as they come. And I think that those are some of the things that for whatever you're you're going for in your life right now, and maybe you're at that crossroads of should I go for it, should I not go for it? I just think that some of the, the things that Bob shared in this episode about being dedicated, being on time, being detailed about your craft and being good to people. I think those things apply in any business, in any relationship. I mean, if you're dedicated, if you're detail oriented, if you show up on time and you love what you do and you love who you're with, man, I mean, what, what better lessons for life? And so those are things that I'm going to carry with me from what Bob shared in this conversation. And, uh, I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful that he's back behind the mic. Hopefully I'll get a chance maybe to, uh, to go to a Toledo walleye game back home and, and hear his voice again, you know, over the loudspeaker, man. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, there's so many great traditions, uh, with Toledo hockey and he is at the center of it, man. And if you're out there listening to this, by the way, if you have the microphone that Bob Virgil's used to do the public address announcing on, come on, man, I know that's cool to have, but if you, if you got it, like for the Toledo hockey fans that listen to this, let's make this go viral. Where's Bob's mic? Um, I, I just think it would be cool to return that to Bob, knowing that ultimately it will it will end up in the hands of the Toledo Walleye. And um, to me, like what greater memorabilia to have? You know, the guy who was the voice of the the Toledo Storm public address announcing for all those years back at the sports arena on the east side, and uh, to to know that that mic would be in its proper place, man, I think would be really cool. So if you do have it or you know somebody who has it, let's. Um, you know, let's see if we can't work out a deal. You know what I mean? Um, but in all seriousness, you guys, I uh, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was great speaking with them. I do want to dedicate this episode to my buddy Dave Nowak. You know, tragically, he lost his father, and so I'm grieving for the Nowak family. Uh, I loved his dad. I loved them. Dave's like a brother to me, and he was one of the guys uh, uh, that grew up going to those games as well. He has a Toledo Storm tattoo. Dave is one of my best friends in the world. He's like a brother from another lover, and he was he was somebody that was really saying, "Hey, Mike, you should get Bob on the show. That would be awesome if you could get Bob Virgils on the podcast, man." And so, uh, I really want to dedicate this one to Dave and his family, and uh, they're going through a tough time right now. But I love all you guys. I love you, buddy. And um, you know, I, I it's you know, his dad went to a lot of Storm games growing up as well, taking Dave and those guys to the games. And uh, it, you know, uh, he's a, he was a huge hockey fan. You know, big Red Wings fan as well. So. It's fitting, I think, to to not only have this be the last episode of the year, but dedicated to uh, to the Nowak family and, and Mr. Nowak, man. I'll miss you, and I appreciate all the time that I got to see you whenever Dave and I would hang out and I'd come by the house and see you guys and see your dogs, and you were always good to me, man. So I know you're listening from the great beyond, and we all love and miss you, but we thank you for the time that we had with you. And uh, yeah, man, if you're a Toledo hockey fan, if you're a hockey fan in general, if you're a sports fan, if you're, if, if you're just a fan of of uh podcasts i really hope you enjoyed this one so 
And I also want to give a shout out to, again, Bob wasn't just doing sports, isn't just doing sports. He is also, as you heard, on Rewind 94.3. So if you want to listen to him as Wally Kaiser doing music radio, make sure you go to impactstudio.org, and that is spelled M-P-A-C-T-S-T-U-D-I-O.org. So it's impact without the I, M-P-A-C-T-S-T-U-D-I-O.org, impactstudio.org. You can listen to him on Tuesdays and Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I will make sure to have that link in the podcast description. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, yeah, guys, uh, 2021. It's been a heck of a year. It's been uh, it's been challenging at times for me personally. It's been challenging for some people that I know. Um, you know, I, I've I've know I know somebody who was on the show who 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 lost their their dog. And, um, you know, who was like their child and they had him for a long time. And, you know, I've mentioned previously on this, this show in the past couple episodes, just the deaths that, that have been in my periphery, uh, including, including my buddy Dave, uh, and his family with, you know, Dave losing his dad recently, uh, earlier this month at the time of listening to this, it's the end of December. Um, so it, it's been challenging, but at the same time, excuse me, uh, there's been a lot of growth, like I said at the top. There's been a lot of growth for me personally. And this podcast has really been something that has been a, a real light in the darkness for me in 2021. And I hope it, it has been for all of you as well. I hope that when you listen to these shows, wherever you are and whoever you are, that's why I say that at the beginning, you know, uh, I hope that you get something out of it. I hope that it inspires you to chase down your dreams in your life. I hope it inspires you to, you know, go after what you love and um, face your fears and overcome. That's what I'm trying to do. That's the theme of the show, persevering and moving forward. And I just hope that everybody carries a positive mindset into 2022. You know, our thoughts create our reality. You know, if you can think it, if you can dream it, you can do it. You know, just take those thoughts, put them on paper, sleep on them, uh, you know, put them on your fridge and, um, you know, they, they'll happen. I really believe that. I've actually written down the names of guests that I want on the show and I put it on my fridge and uh, I was able to get at least one of those guests on the show. So um, again, it's just it, things like that. I really believe in manifestation and manifesting and, uh, you know, positive energy. And, and I know it's hard at times, you know, life, life can really kick you in the teeth at times, man. And boy, I'm not even saying it to sound like a martyr. There's been times this year where I just feel like it's been, it's been, you know, gut punch followed by right hook followed by, you know, uppercut and, uh, you get knocked down or you get knocked against the ropes, but it's, it's learning how to roll with the punches. It really is. And, um, you will be better for going through the trials and tribulations that you do go through and taking a positive mindset and extracting the meaning from those circumstances and using that negative energy as fuel, you know, whatever those negative energies are, maybe they're anger, maybe they're sadness, maybe they are, you know, uh, self-deprecating, maybe there's things about yourself that you beat yourself up about, learn how to take that negative energy and harness it and turn it into a positive, you know, and again, you know, with tying it back to this conversation with Bob, you know, the things that he's been through, going through a divorce, a heart attack, you know, 
um, you know, he's he's battled things. And um, actually, we rescheduled this episode because he had a, another scare and, 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 and had to go to the hospital in November. And, and you know, thank God, um, you know, he's he's when we talked, he was in good spirits. He seemed to be doing really well. So I'm just, you know, keep my fingers crossed for him as well. But, you know, everybody goes through stuff, guys. And I really think that having a positive mindset and staying in touch with the people that you trust that are close to you, that's that's a big part of it, man. It's a it's a real big part of it. And um, there's going to always be bad things that happen that we can't explain, losses that we go through, hardships that we face. But you got to be able to find that silver lining. And trust me, there's there's a silver lining there. So I hope that everybody, again, had a Merry Christmas. I hope you had a Happy Hanukkah. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, I hope you had a great Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate around the world, I just hope that everybody gets to see their loved ones, spend time with the ones they care about, and just celebrate and kick off 2022 on a high note, man. So I want to say thank you again to everybody listening. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram at March4thPod, on Twitter at Mike V, as in Victor, Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is March4th.podbean.com. The link tree for all my stuff is in the podcast description. So if you want to learn more about me, if this is your first time here, if you want to check out past episodes, read up on my bio, see previous music feature stories that I've done, and how I got into doing this stuff, it's all there. So, And I would appreciate if you guys would take the time to go over to Apple and leave a rating and a review for this podcast because it helps these conversations rank higher. And ultimately, that's what we want so we can get these out to more and more people and they can learn about Bob and hopefully get inspired to chase down their dreams in their lives. So thank you so much. Also, one last thing, one last thing. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to do Mama McConaughey now. Uh, but for you music lovers out there, I do feature a lot of music artists on this show, and you may or may not be familiar with that. If you listen to the show, you, you probably are. But I decided to put together a Spotify playlist, and I just called it March 4th Music Volume 1. So I'll put that link in this uh, episode description as well for all you music fans out there, just as a way to pay tribute and respect to all of the musicians uh, that I've had on this show since I brought it back as March 4th for everybody that at least has their music on Spotify anyway. Unfortunately, there's a couple artists that didn't, but I created a Spotify playlist to feature all of those artists in their music, and I picked my favorite song from each of those artists, and in the case of some of the artists like Clint Lowry from Seven Dust, for example, I featured music from his solo projects as well to give you guys a taste of uh, you know his work outside of Seven Dust. So in the case of musicians who have been on my podcast that you know, are are doing multiple musical projects. I, I picked my favorite song from each of those projects. So just a way for me to pay to pay homage to everybody who takes the time to come by March fourth, everything from up and up and coming musicians to, you know, underground musicians to, you know, established musicians. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to feature on this show. So it's a uh it's a it's a, a great playlist if I don't say so myself because I have a ton of respect for anybody who pursues music. I love music. It's therapy for me. And I'm eternally grateful for everybody who does this show. So I wanted to uh, to put that out there as well. If you're interested in checking out new music, checking out artists, um, I've got everything from hip hop to country to trap metal to metalcore to heavy metal to hard rock. It's all in there. You know, more pop stuff, more emo stuff. There's a little bit of everything in that playlist. So again, it's called March 4th Music Volume 1. You can check it out on Spotify and the link will be in the podcast description. And on that note, I'm going to wrap this bad boy up by saying what I say on every single episode is a tribute to my grandfather, which is keep the faith 
and be kind. I hope that everyone has a safe and happy New Year's Eve and that all of you have love and light going into 2022. Peace.